She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. A series of lectures or a day of lectures for, I don't know if it was a company or what it was. And he agreed because I think it was on his topic or whatever, is of his interest. Plus his good money, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, man. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> no, it was Rebecca Solnit. Uh, she said something to this degree, which is like, you can't just, often in our society, people look at you sideways if you're just doing nothing. So you need to disguise it as doing something. (laughs) And by the time cocktail hour rolls around in the evening, like, I'm hiding in the bathroom of this thing, just not wanting to come out. And on top of that, like, feeling really guilty, shameful, and like, alienated that I have to do that, you know? And I'm sure there was another person in the stall next to me (laughs) doing and feeling the same way, you know? Beautiful people, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. Welcome. Should we change this intro, or is that still going? I feel like it's still working. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Don't stop a good thing going. People Uh, seem to tolerate it. Oh my god! (laughs) I hope people love it. Um, (laughs) Hey everyone, we're happy you're here today. We are talking about restorative niches. Yeah, uh, we're talking about being an introvert, being an extrovert. Why it's important to understand the difference and restorative niche as a toolkit for helping us kind of go outside the boundaries of our natural personality and, and allowing us to do uh, things that don't come so natural to us. It's basically a conversation about self-care, but not the general average self-care. What is your self-care? What does it mean to be a friend to yourself? Aww. Really? Aww. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good afternoon, fellow journeyers. Good afternoon. And boy, is it a hot one. Oh my god. <laughs> we're, we're in the blazing heat of our camper in the Forest Stone Sisters, and I'm turning around and looking at the thermostat, and it says 94 degrees. You know, just a casual afternoon, the camper, in, uh, in June. So if, if all of a sudden it goes silent on this podcast, it's because we passed out. <laughs> Plus, we have like we try to have some airflow and stuff, but but we don't also want the wind to like blow on the or the wind the the bare breeze that we're able to get. We don't want it to like blow on the mic, so we've got everything closed right now. Speaking of which, we should close the door. Oh no, man! Let's yeah. leave it open. You want to leave it open, all right? You might get some ambient sounds from outside. <laughs> this is what we do for you, listener. We love you. This is what we do for the podcast, yeah. the Far Out podcast, this entity that governs our life. Yeah. Weekly. Yeah. 
We'd never, I never realized what a commitment we were making two and a half years ago when we turned this thing on in the, in the, in the trailer in the Forest of France. Good God. Uh, it, got, it got hot there too, but not quite as hot as uh, pine forests in the, on the west coast of the U.S. It, it, there's a particular blazing heat here. Yeah. So. Before we get into this, we have a special... We have a special shout out because uh, I woke up to this email this morning and and I kind of cried. Um, it's the best kind of email to wake best up. Best kind of email, especially because they do such a good job. So we got an email from Patreon, and when a new patron signs up, they in the in the subject of the email is the the like celebratory emoji, you know, like yeah. that thing that the pop the, yeah, the party yeah. popper. And so every time, like, ah! um, so we got a new patron, and it's a cool person, someone that we know and love and adore already. And yeah. so I already we already sent him the most love drooling email possible <laughs> sometimes i'm like is it weird i don't know we love that man we're gonna tell him we love him um mike thank you so much thank you mike mike uh yeah generously uh signed up at the 27 dollar level yeah yeah he's a pioneer i didn't even know we had a 27 dollar level yeah we do and uh, that means that not only is he going to get a shout out on the podcast and our endless love um but we're also going to uh ship him out some uh some of my thoughtful cards. Mm-hmm. And these are actually cards that, so they're greeting cards. And each one has a, a photo that from my travels, mm-hmm. when I, mainly when I was traveling alone. And they're paired with uh, travel quotes as well. It was quite the endeavor to uh, choose the pictures, make it happen in an eco-friendly That's the thing, manner. Is trying to do anything eco-friendly turns out to be quite a adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these cards are completely eco-friendly from the packaging to everything inside. In yeah. fact, you can you can plant them, or at least you can plant something in it, and it yeah. will grow flowers. Uh-huh. So uh, that's pretty cool. We're sending those out. They're kind of like little love bombs. That way you can send them out to people, mm-hmm. um, which is something that, as a traveler, I always really enjoyed, was sending out letters and knowing that you're kind of shooting out these love bombs to people all over the world. Uh, <laughs> and you have the pleasure of writing them, and then you have the pleasure of knowing that someone's going to receive it later. So yeah. it, it's, it's really great. Yeah. By the way, uh, just, a, just a thing that I'm, that's coming up right now, I love to do that too. If uh, If... If you are someone that receives a postcard from someone, let them know you've received the postcard. <laughs> it's always nice when it's acknowledged because yeah. a lot of the time it's just like, ah, postcard, put it on the fridge and never actually send anything. So all that being said. Especially mm, these days. Keep the postcard alive. Yeah, I know. Just keep it keep it going. But yeah, Mike, thank you so much. The words words don't carry the amount of gratitude that we have for you. And you might remember, listener, that... Mike also gave us a generous one-time donation a few months ago, and he participated in one of our combo inoculations, and boy, was it fantastic to have him. It was so much fun. I can't wait to see you again, Mike. Me too. Mm -hmm. All right, on to today's episode. What are we talking about in this blazing heat? Restorative niches. (laughs) Let me tell you, the camper is not a restorative (laughs) niche right now. (laughs) Uh, So this came up. This last month's book club for Wild Within, we do a free book club. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes at the file, um, dot life. That's our website. That, that's our website. I forgot for a second. <laughs> dot life, and then in the show notes for this episode, we'll put a link um, because the book club's free and it's really cool. It's really cool. You guys have read a lot of cool books. Yeah. So the book we read last month was Quiet by Susan Cain. This was like a, a life-altering book for me. It's all about introversion and the power of introverts in a world who 
which can't stop talking. And uh, Susan Cain does a really great job of kind of illuminating the challenge of introverts in an extroverted culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that comes up in that later on in the book is this idea of restorative niches. And it comes up because first she poses the question of like, okay, so I need to give a little bit of background on introversion and extroversion. I know a lot of you probably are aware of it. Um, it's been a while since we've talked about this. On we the have, podcast, we have, it continues to be such an important under dichotomy to understand as a general pattern to yeah. be aware of. So introversion and extroversion, first off, these are preferences, which means you're not an extrovert. You're not an introvert. It's language we use, but you prefer to extrovert or you prefer to introvert. Each of us has a dominant. You can think about it as you're right-handed or left-handed. One Mm -hmm. of them you prefer to use. One of them you're going to reach to grab something with, and you're not even going to think about it. Mm -hmm. It's your preferred mode. Same with introversion and extroversion. Introversion is a, you can think about it as your attention, your psychic energy directed inward into the inner world. Extroversion is directed outward into the outer world. There are different flavors of introversion and extroversion that goes into typology. We're not going to go there, but it's good just to know this because this is, this, this is big. This is really big. And it was for me, it really changed things. Uh, when I, you didn't know you were an introvert. I mean, I did, but I just like that word gets thrown around, you know, and I didn't really know what it means. And when I started to read Susan Cain's book, it really helped me understand a lot of my challenges and a lot of also a lot of like my potential, my potential through that lens. A lot of it could be not explained, but it was a very good lens to view things through. And it was very useful. And I think that's, you know, Bill Plotkin says it in a, in a book of his I'm reading right now, the mark of a good uh, model is that it's practical. It's useful. Mm-hmm. It's not a theory, right? In the same, I mean, introversion and extroversion, if you go, Carl Jung has theories on it, but a model of how the world works is useful because it's practical. Because it's useful. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not just mental masturbation. This, yeah, th- we're so pumped on this. Like we talk about this a lot because it's useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny because I, f- I think a lot of people, me included, like introvert is usually associated with shy yeah. or. Uh, a social. Yeah. You know, like that kind of kid in in the corner that doesn't want to talk to anyone. And I actually, recently, I remember saying that to someone, I think it was like a friend of your parents who was around and he obviously is very extroverted, very full of life, very like awesome guy. And at the end, it was at the end of a long day, I think. And I said something about like, oh, I'm going to need to retire soon because like I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert and I need, I need a lot of downtime. And he just like burst out laughing because I don't come off as the archety- as the image that people have of introversion, right? Like I can be very lively, very full of life. I laugh hard. I laugh loud. I'm loud in general. And like I make jokes and all that kind of stuff. And so it was interesting to see his reaction. He was like, he thought I was joking. He was like, ah, good one. And I said, no, I think I am. But it's, we don't have a good understanding. And I feel no. like that book gives a good Practical understanding of what it means to be an introvert, what also what it means to be an extrovert, and and the strength of both sides. Yeah, right? and and also the imbalance in our culture, uh-huh. which is really un- helpful to understand, yeah. is that we live, particularly in America, in a very very extroverted world. Very. And introversion and shy are not particularly correlated. Mm-hmm. They're used like they're not the same thing. And social and extrovert are not either. You can just be as social as an introvert, but the way you direct your energy the kind of psychic patterns yeah. are different and understanding that 
is really helpful. And another way to think about this, if you're asking the question, well, do I prefer introversion or do I prefer extroversion? And just for those that are like, oh, I think I'm an ambivert, we have both. Yeah. One is more dominant. And if you go into type theory and other things, you can start to explore the layers of introversion and extroversion and the different ways they show up. But mm -hmm. of course, we all have extroverted tendencies or places where we extrovert. You wouldn't be human. You wouldn't be able to handle this world if you couldn't yeah. deal to some degree with both yeah. realms. Yeah. But a good way to ask what what is my dominant preference here is usually I find it very, the best way is like, well, when do you feel drained? What drains your batteries mm -hmm. and what charges you like what really energizes you and if you start to that's a good just self-reflection question to, to contemplate mm -hmm. right like it might not be in completely evident right away but if you stick with it long enough i think you'll see that like for example for me uh socializing like going out to bars with a lot of stimulation or, or new environments and carrying on a lot of social uh conversations with a lot of different people that maybe i don't know that well yeah. that's extraordinarily draining for me, what's very recharging is sitting alone in the wilderness or walking alone in the wilderness or sitting with a book and, and kind of exploring my inner world of ideas and how they all connect. Mm -hmm. That energizes me. Yeah. And that's going to be different for different people. But that's a really good way to get at it is what drains your batteries, what charges your batteries. Is that focused on the outer? Is that, is that a more, is that focused external in the outer world? Is that focused more internal in the inner world? And that that will usually point you in the right direction. I like I like that question, and I think it's also worth mentioning that sometimes the answer is not always obvious. It, it, like it, sometimes it's more obvious for certain people, and there are people who I feel like like me. I'm really walking a thin line in between my two dominant functions, which one is introverted, one is extroverted, and I enjoyed both of them, and so both aspects can drain me if I do them for too long. So like being alone and not talking and doing kind of introspective thing will recharge me up to a point. But there's a moment where it start like there's a there's a kind of a curve where I reach the peak and then I start being drained by it. And it's the same with socializing. In general, I do tend to get drained faster and more intensely with social stimulations that go on for too long. Another question you can ask, another one I, I ask when I work with people on this is, what do you default to? If you've got a bunch of time, yeah. let's say like if you got a day, right? And there's no one to tell you what to do and you don't, there's no shoulds yeah. about this day. Well, how are you going to spend that time? Like, what are you naturally going to do? What are you going to do? If you, if you have a day like that, what do you do? Uh... I'm probably not going to see anybody. <laughs> I'm probably going to hang out by myself and read and maybe like swim in my thoughts and maybe go for a walk. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be more to myself. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm inclined to do. Or maybe I'll go out and do some sort of activity on my own, like surf or walk in the woods. But so you can look and you can look at your past track record. Yeah. If you're not sure, like if you're getting stuck in your head about like, whoa, what would I do? Just look at what you've done in yeah. the past when that situation has come up and, And um, if, if this isn't enough, then then you probably need some help as far as like figuring work, out. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, call me up and we can work together. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's as far as we can go for now. Um, but that, that I think for like 80% of cases, you can probably, 
and your first intuition on that, the gut feeling on that is usually the right way. So yeah. don't don't double think it too much. Don't yeah. don't overanalyze it. Be- but, and because we live in such an extroverted culture, as introverts, we might have developed a lot of strategies to act as extroverts. Yes. And so, like your mind might think, "Oh, I get drained when I'm all by myself," but your body response to that question yeah. might be, uh, "Let me uh, be by myself." And this is what's really powerful, particularly for introverts in an extroverted society, is because there's a lot of shame, guilt, fear, those kind of things associated with doing what we feel naturally yeah. inclined to do because yeah. they're not they're not valued as much in society yeah. and so then there's other things that come into play here and a lot of confusion and Susan Cain was really um the starting place it's been a seven-year journey since and I've gone really deep with this stuff but that was really the starting point to like wake up to that realization and it's been so healing and helpful and and orienting in my life do you still feel some like shame and guilt and and fear around like yes it doesn't it hasn't It's really deeply ingrained, right? And it's also what's rewarded. Uh, Mm. So, like, it's still difficult. And there's there's still situations I struggle with. But having that way to look at it helps me understand it and can help me work with it more skillfully or explore it more skillfully. Yeah. But there's layers to this. There's many layers. So it's not like you figure it out and, like, oh, great. Like, I... I completely accept myself. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it, How cool but, would that be? But it is a very good tool for healing yeah. and for greater self-awareness and for more skillful and authentic decisions and actions in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention understanding other people and, and how they act. So with that said, in the book, Susan Cain uh, poses the question later on about like, okay, well, what degree can we buck our personality, right? If, if this is one of the common issues or common concerns people have when when they're considering exploring type is I don't want to get put into a box. I don't want some theory to say what I can and can't do. Yeah. We have a really strong emphasis on individuality and free will yeah, in the US. I and and I, I, I do know. too. Maybe as humans in general, but probably more than humans. I don't know. I'll go to China. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak. I haven't spent enough time. I'm not talking about China. Hong Kong. So there always is that question or tension when you're exploring something that that claims to to illuminate some of the patterns of like okay well free will fate destiny like that question is always underlying that right and it's not one i think we've answered 100 percent. but my feeling on it is that there are general patterns that are worth understanding because they are bigger than us in some way and we tend to fall into them and understanding them can be very helpful Mm -hmm. do they dictate your destiny no but they by understanding these forces can help you navigate your life more skillfully. Yeah. So that's kind of the short answer there um, for me. And, and I think if you're at a crossroad, it can not only just help you navigate, but it can inform, right? Like I think if you realize you're an introvert, then maybe don't go into a public relations career. Yeah, that might like, not be. You know, or, I mean, or go or, into or, it knowing what or you're... Or go into it knowing. Because yes. that's going to have ramifications in every other area of your life. Yes. So it's good to understand those dynamics rather than going blindly and then just get hit by it, right? Mm-hmm. So, so enter stage left, restorative niches. So Susan Cain asked the question, okay, and she actually tells a story, um, which I think is a, a good one. It's about a professor. He's extraordinarily popular at at his university. And he gives great lectures. He's sought after by all the students. He gets asked to write hundreds of referrals of recommendation every year. Mm -hmm. And he is a really, really strong introvert. And he was asked to give a a series of lectures or 
a day of lectures for, I don't know if it was a company or what it was. And he agreed because I think it was on his topic or whatever, it was of his interest. Plus his good money, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, man. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> but he was giving a lecture or a talk in the morning. And then there was like an hour and a half. And then there would be a fo- another talk he was giving to another crowd in the afternoon. The talk went so well in the morning, and introverts tend to prepare for these a lot more. They tend to be more intensive. So that's another thing to know about this is like how you need to prepare, right? Mm-hmm. Like what resources are required for you to do this. Yeah. Extrovert might go off the cuff and, and they might, the crowd. Yeah, and they might do a really good job at it. But for an introvert, much more likely you're going to uh, prepare quite a bit more intensively. Yeah. These are different styles. So he gives the talk in the morning. It goes great. Everyone loves it. And it goes so well that he is invited to the executive lunch, Mm. which is in between the two talks. Yeah. This is terrifying for him because he knows he needs that time to kind of regenerate for the talk, or else the talk in the afternoon is not going to go well. And nothing could be worse for him as a really strong introvert than going to a luncheon with a bunch of people he doesn't know and having to have small talk. That's Alistair's worst nightmare, by the way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Wakes me up every morning. Actually, actually, you're doing better than you were in the past, (laughs) I think. And I I attribute a lot of it to being aware of this. Because it's not like introverts should never go out and give talks or shouldn't... In fact, I think we need more introverts stepping into their power and coming out publicly Mm -hmm. and talking and sharing and sharing their perspective. So what he does is this this place that he's doing, it is on the river. And he comes up with a kind of skillful excuse, which is, hey, I'm really interested in nautical history. And I'd actually like to spend the time while I'm here, uh, like going up and down the riverbank and learning about about that area. Great. <laughs> nice one. That's pretty, uh, pretty smooth. And that allow that gives him the time to regenerate in a socially acceptable way that no one feels upset about and can understand for him to do the talk in the afternoon. Mm. Well, next year or some, a couple years online, because he's invited back to do these talks because they've gone so well is, uh, they move the venue and it's not on the river anymore. And he ends up hiding in the bathroom to, to give himself that time. What I love about that is that he owns it. He, he knows he needs that time and it's not a shameful activity for him to go into the bathroom and take that time. He knows he needs it for him to be successful at the reason he's there. Yeah. So I think this gets at a couple things. One is that as an introvert, especially if you're going to extrovert, it's really important that these are personal projects that are meaningful to you. If you're going to go extrovert around things that you don't really care about, you're probably going to be in trouble. But when it is meaningful to us, we can do those things. But oftentimes it's helpful to, we're going to need to approach it differently than an extrovert would. Mm-hmm. Because Otherwise, we're going to drain ourselves. We're not going to be as effective. We may not enjoy what we're doing. We, pro- we might burn out over time. There's all sorts of reasons. So it means not approaching it like everyone else would or like might be expected. You don't need to do everything. But, you, but in order to do that and kind of stand in that power, you need to understand yourself to some degree. And you need, you need to know what you need. It's self-care. Mm-hmm. It's basically self-care. Yeah. And that's where restorative niches come in. And so... We wanted to explore for ourselves as introverts what some of our restorative niches are. But this is a question that's just as pertinent for extroverts because the same way um, as an introvert, we're required to extrovert at many times in our life. And we want to do that well and skillfully, Mm -hmm. right? And authentically as well. Extroverts are required to introvert many times in their lives. And And we also, you know, it's also important to do that skillfully. So it's about 
being skillful in this and about taking care of ourselves so that we can show up authentically and do what we're aiming to do. Mm-hmm. We thought we would start this conversation by maybe sharing a few of the restorative niches we've noticed uh, at different environments and times in our life yeah. as kind of a, as kind of a, a way to nudge you listener into asking this question for yourself. What restorative niches do you have? Have you thought about that? Yeah. Have you thought about using that when you're in a situation that you know is draining for you? How could you use them more skillfully? Because one thing I've noticed is that when I, this is hard to honor. It, it's a create. it's, it's tough. It takes awareness. It takes, it takes a certain amount of creativity. It takes uh, really like takes owning it too. Yeah. It's all can be tough t- yeah. at times, but what I found is when I've done this well, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. I I am so much more effective, and I and the, my quality of life, my quality of work is better. Everything benefits, yeah. including the people I'm trying to trying to serve or or do this for. Yeah, it's a win win win. I think this just answers to the fact that like self care only really is self care when you care for yourself. So it's like. A lot of if you're an extrovert and and you have a very introverted life or you have an introverted aspects you have introverted aspects of your career that you have to do, maybe self care at the end of the day is not meditating by yourself and then and then doing a yoga session by yourself. Maybe it's like going out and hanging out with a friend, calling someone up, having a conversation, or you know whatever whatever extroverts do. But like. It's kind of like going for, to a doctor who just like ha- kind of half listens and gives you a generic prescription rather than going to like a specialized doctor that listens to your story yeah. and that like comes up with a protocol yeah. that's like bespoke for you. Yeah. That's the difference here. I think another, uh, before, before we start sharing some of our niches, one thing that I'm continually learning, I'm continually, I feel like I'm continually learning this anew is um my energy level doesn't reset every morning like whatever i did or didn't do the day before or the day before or the day before will carry over there's a scoreboard yeah there and it's always a shock to me that there's a scoreboard like i i feel like it's only really recently and it's because you think that way that i've been able to realize like man fuck there is a scoreboard yeah the sleep sleep doesn't reset the board at yeah zero. but it does it's like it's it's weird to me because when you play the sims and they go to bed <laughs> you know if they get enough if they get the right amount of sleep the the, the gauge becomes green again you don't know don't get me started on the sims <laughs> don't get me started on the sims <laughs> no but all jokes aside I, it's 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 something i'm continually learning and so there is also the thing of the self-care I don't do today not only has effects on has me a today, but effect. it has a cumulative effect. Yeah, and it has a qualitative effect, too. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's important to know. Yeah. So, what are okay. Some, uh, what are some of your uh, niches? So, I know some about? of these have come up in conversations we've had on this podcast before, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's good to, to share them here in a, in a more focused way. Yeah. Um, so, like, for work, for example... I used to work in an open office plan where, like, basically there were no walls or that whatever. awful. It's pretty tough for an introvert. Yeah. Um, it's also, it was also tough because I was the general manager and people were always asking for my input uh, uh. and interrupting me. And the other thing is, like, you know, which can be very psychically violent for me is I get into, I can get into deep focus, but then if I'm pulled out of it and, and this is... It's, that, it's really that's like the story of the first two years of our relationship i feel like we're in a good groove now but uh i can tell when i've interrupted alistair when he was deeply it's like he goes he goes 
really far under the sea, and then I talk to him, and he has to come back up like thousands get the bends. of miles. Yeah, you get the bends. It, it hurts. Yeah, it really hurts. Um, so one thing I did a couple things to deal with this. Also, I was working in a somewhat very extroverted role because I was picking up the phones all the time. I had a staff I was managing. It was a small company. And I set my own hours and could come in late and things like that. So there, it wasn't like the most extroverted situation ever. But yeah. I was doing sales. I was constantly talking to people, whether it be my staff uh, or, or suppliers or customers, whatever. Like one problem I had was eating lunch. Because eating lunch in the office was, you know, you're available. People talk oh, to you. Man. Or you just hear things. Like yeah. there's a lot of stimulation going on. So I started, uh, I would eat lunch and then I'd go for a long walk. I'd leave. And I just walk for a while. Yeah. Because one thing I think, one thing I've learned, and I think it was Susan Sontag that says this. Um, no, it was Rebecca Solnit. Mm. Uh, she said something to this degree, which is like, you can't just, often in our society, people look at you sideways if you're just doing nothing. So mm. you need to disguise it as doing something. <laughs> and so walks are a great way to do that because it's a way to do nothing, but yeah. look like you're doing something. Yeah. And then you're not, people don't question that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I started taking walks and pretty long ones. And it was so refreshing because I would come back and it was like I had another half of the day, you mm. know, like I was, I wanted to come back and work again. Yeah. Like, and I was more present. I had more life. It was so much different than when I would eat lunch at my desk or go to lunch with, with coworkers or whatever. Yeah. If I went and took that solitary walk and gave myself that, which I didn't do every day, but I tried to do it as consistently as I could, the quality of the afternoon was so different. And the quality of my work was different. Yeah. As well. Well, it breaks up the day for real. Like yeah. I think that there's a, you know, you call it, you guys call it the French lunch break. And there's a, there's a, there, it's important to have a real break in the middle of the day. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also what that break is like. Yeah, That's yeah. very important. Yeah. Another uh, restorative niche I had was that I would I got uh, these big headphones, like cans is mm -hmm. kind of what they're called. They're the ones that kind of go over your head, and they look like you're a sound producer, yeah. right? And I got those, and I'd wear them all the time. And I wouldn't even listen to music. I would just wear them. Yeah. Uh, and the reason was because it's really awkward to get someone's attention Like, I'm not available, right? Yeah, like, yeah, if yeah. you're going to get my attention, first off, I can ignore you because I'm, I'm listening to music, right? Yeah. I don't know you're there, yeah. even though maybe I do. So they have to, like, wave. And then there's the awkwardness of, like, okay, it's got to be important enough that you're interrupting me and I have to take my headphones yeah. off. I look at you. What is it? Yeah. If it's some dumb shit comment, you know, yeah, 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 <laughs> or just yeah, some yeah. frivolous thing, like... So that gets discouraged. It's a cat meme, maybe. Uh, <laughs> you know, like maybe they won't do it again. They're like, oh, that was a lot of work to show him a cat yeah, meme. So and he it's didn't a deterrent. Seem too happy. It's a deterrent, right? Yeah. To make, to, it's a filter to make sure that it's worth that interruption. And that helped a lot, too. Yeah. Um, another. We, st we still do that in the camper. Some, half the time, Alistair's headphones are not even plugged in. Uh, sometimes he plays music over his speakers, not realizing <laughs> that his headphones aren't plugged in. I'm like, uh, dude, my headphones are, n there's never music in my headphones. It's very uh, rare that I actually listen to music. The problem is because we know this hack, sometimes yeah, I, yeah, I, we don't, you know, respect, like, it we don't respect it as yeah. much because it's like, I know Alistair's not listening to music right now. <laughs> Come on, don't don't give me that. So th those are a couple that I've done in the work environment to great success that work as an introvert. Um, I think another restorative niche, so like walking in nature has always been a restorative niche. We do this a lot when we're in San Jose visiting my parents, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, usually we'll go for a walk. And we've been doing it here too in the forest. 
that's a really great restorative that's niche. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's it really helps. It so, stops the momentum of the work and the mind of the day, and then kind of settles. And you it into brings the you in your time. body too, yeah. because you're being physical and and you're kind of absorbing the. The, everything going on around you it's great yeah another restorative niche that comes to mind for me is sometimes i just need to go lie in bed put a blindfold on or, or um, an eye mask on and earplugs in yeah. and just like basically block out all stimulation and just make it black it's like a me bath yeah it's like your my feeling about that is like i love wearing earplugs because i like hearing my own breathing as the primary sound that i'm hearing And I find that I can really tune into myself if I do that. It's really cool. Yeah. And even doing that for 15, 20 minutes sometimes can be enough to like bring me down. Yeah. And, and then um, again, it's not only that I'm more effective, I'm less likely to be destructive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm less likely to react. Yeah. I'm less likely to do things that I shouldn't or just make a mess or because I'm tired. Yeah. So it's kind of respecting like my rhythms. Yeah. Um, and there's a really powerful sense of empowerment in doing that. Yeah, and you know, you you work better. And I, I have this memory, um, a friend of mine that I met who I met in culinary school, and he, he was like 30 plus, like 33 or something. And he had had a long career in real estate. And he was kind of fulfilling a, a long dream of becoming a cook. He actually went on to be very successful. And, and uh, he was that kind of like, had a career very uh very business oriented but now was coming to learn a trade and my my class was a lot of people like that when I went to culinary school which was great and uh I remember I think he wrote something on a piece of paper for me and I commented that he had a beautiful handwriting which is not that common for males and let alone males it was very like school like but very you know like kind of your elementary school teacher kind of you know, very cursive writing, very beautiful. And I was like, man, you, your, your handwriting is very beautiful. He's like, yeah, that's because I'm very lazy. I was like, what, what, tell me more. And he said, when I was in uh, like, you know, the grade where you learn to read and write, his teacher would have, they would have two notebooks. One was for taking notes during the class. And then their homework was at the end of the day, they needed to copy everything back into a permanent notebook like something where they would have to take special care to write it well and he said I hated doing that at the end of the day so I learned to write well the first time and it's like it's the same thing it's like you take those 15 minutes in bed with your blindfold and your your uh earplugs that's that's being that's being lazy because it's like you want to be efficient therefore you have to get get those hacks because otherwise you don't take that time you carry on doing some work you do uh, you make a mistake and then you have to spend two hours fixing that mistake yeah. and all this goes on the scoreboard it does like <laughs> go on the scoreboard indeed you know i remember when i was first uh out in business and and when i didn't have much understanding of these kind of things And here, here's an example of, of, of like not handling it very well was, and what can happen as a result is like, I went on a, um, uh, it was like a kind of a conference for, for the kind of clients we had. And so we were, we, we were a sponsor of the conference, like three day thing. And yeah. so we drove down to Arizona and already like not, not my element, right? Like it's going to be an in-person conference, a lot of social time, a lot of schmoozing and networking. Like we're the suppliers. So like 
So that's the context. And I remember, and then of course, after whatever the events are, which are already socially draining, yeah. there's cocktail hours. Of course. Right? Like always. There's always a social event, a mixer or something yeah. after. That's right? how people calm down after the work. Y- yeah. That- and, and like, and I felt forced to be there because my boss was there. Yeah. And like, I was the employee and like, we were trying to sell this stuff. So like, you need to be there. And it was, that's part of the extroverted expectation right which is why this stuff is hard to go against it's hard to go against the grain like it can feel like a shameful excuse to say hey i can't do it like that like right like um you feel like you just have to do it all that's expected or required right Mm -hmm. and so i'd go from event to event to event and and it was exhausting and like you know my self-esteem everything's like tanking by the end you know like i'm not gonna sell anything like it's going to be awful. Yeah. And by the time cocktail hour rolls around in the evening, like, I'm hiding in the bathroom no. of this thing, That's just crazy. not wanting to come out. And on top of that, like, feeling really guilty, shameful, and, like, alienated that I have to do that. Yeah. You know? And I'm sure there was another person in the stall next to me <laughs> doing and feeling the same way, you know? <laughs> That was really funny. That I think uh, Brene Brown has a thing like that in one of her books when she talks about the fact that she's introverted and when she goes and gives those talks, it's 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 inspiring, but it's also very draining. And usually, there's a lot of social events around them. There's like luncheons and 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 you know t- meetup moments and all that. And and like I think she finished a talk. And I can't remember who it was, but it was another person who gave a speech in the in the green room or however it's called. And and uh, and like they exchanged. Brene was like, oh, man, that that was uh, that was that was, was great. Or it was a it was a spiritual. Oh, teacher. yeah. Yeah. Now that. Yeah. It's uh, Joan, it was... Joan Halifax. That's I think right. that was yeah. her. And she was, you know, Joan Halifax was like, oh, man, that, that was that was great. Uh, you must be, you know, like you must be tired or something like that. And then Brene was like, yeah, but now is the time for socializing. There's like the luncheon and uh, we kind of have to attend. And, and then there's the talks in the afternoon. And, and like Joan Halifax, said, I'm going to my room. Uh, and, uh, I suggest you do the same if you need to do that. And I love the unapologetic, like, who cares if I'm, I'm going to have room service in my room and when I come back down, I'll be refreshed. And there's kind of a mysteriousness to that too. It's like, you don't, if you're not always present, then you're, you, when you show up and you're more intentional about the way you show up, you have more impact than if you drag yourself from social event to social event when you can't do that. Yeah, and self-respect begets respect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and this is why I think it's so important. Like, this is, we're talking about the awareness aspect of this, right? Of like being aware that this is even a thing. Yeah. Because that allows you to start acting in better ways. Yeah. So, what are some of your restorative niches, Julia Roxanne? I'm trying to think when I was when I was still working in an environment that was definitely pretty stressful and social, but not. There's just was I was I was working as a cook. Um so there was there was a lot of like me being in my flow at my station and and not necessarily talking to a lot but there is a lot of like drama because it's a very high pressure situation so there's not a lot of chit chat but there's a lot, there can be a lot of drama where like someone doesn't like the way you said something or you know because you were under pressure or whatever. I think back then and it's it still is my my restorative niche for the most part, which is like I would come home. Well, 
No, at the time I used to smoke weed, so that was one of the ways I would come down. But I don't recommend that. All the world or whatever, do do whatever you you need to. But my general niche is a couch. I wouldn't call it like the smoking weed. It's like is nah, that a restorative? No, nah, no, it's not. It, it, it added to the scoreboard that led me to a burnout and uh, eventually leaving the 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 career I was in, which I I enjoyed but was too much. So no, don't. It's not restorative. But my niche is usually. A bed or a couch, alone, with movies or TV shows that are kind of like dumb, that I don't need to, that most of the time that I've seen already, that's very critical. Anything new will be too stimulating. So I need to have something I've already seen and food, like nourishment and like kind of nurturing. So, so it can be sweet, but not necessarily. Usually I, I like the process of actually making myself a bowl of food and then carrying it and, and like being cozied up. Like that's, that's one of the ways I recharge, especially when, and I find I actually, I mean, I think I'm an interesting breed of introvert. And I've heard this said before that my particular type INFP is the most extroverted of the introverts of the introverted types. And I find that to be true. Um, which is why I think, um, I have to always be attuned to what is it that I need? Why am I drained? Is it because I spent too much time by myself in my, in my own head? Or is it because I've spent too much time with people and like adjusting? So sometimes my restorative niche is calling family or a friend and talking for like an hour and a half right. it's a, with it's, one person yeah we were with one person it's draining in one way but yeah. it's also very fulfilling like i talked to my brother for an hour and a half yesterday and i hadn't talked to him in weeks because we've been so busy and man so much joy from doing that just so much uh just yeah just so much juice back into my my life so this is one of the interesting aspects of my personality is that i love being around people the only thing is for me it's one-on-one -on -one or you know two on like small groups three people max probably that's my preferred mode of being if there's a lot of people and it's more it, my strategy if there's a lot of people is I'll single out one person and then I'll like right. talk to them yeah. and and um I'm usually that person that hangs out in the kitchen in the party because yeah. I'm I'm with the people who hang out in the kitchen or the dog or the, or the dog that's usually what I do well it's a strat it's a good strategy because a it's re it's really recharging for me to be around animals but also if I play with the dog, usually the other ex, the other introvert of the party will spot me and understand that it's okay to not socialize, but to play with the dog and she'll come and play with the dog and then we'll bond. And then that's great. <laughs> then, that, then we'll find a nook somewhere off of the main part of the party and we'll have a good time. So again, these restorative niches are ways to kind of recognize some of our, some of, some some of our limits, mm -hmm. you could say, or 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 just some of the ways we are. Yeah. And the restorative niches are a way for us to recognize that and respect it while also doing things that might be a stretch for us from a personality perspective. Yeah. It's a way it's a way in a way that's sustainable, right? In a way that's not gonna burn us out. Yeah. So it's a way for us to like kind of stretch beyond what we might normally naturally do in a way we can we can continue to do. I think, you know, as you're talking, a couple more restorative niches I can think of um, in a more social situation or, or maybe just in, in my day-to-day -day life. Yeah. 
Um, I used to live in San Diego, which is a very dense population place. Like there's just people everywhere on top of everybody and everything. And uh, I used to work out at the park or go running. A lot of times running was a restorative niche for me or going to work out at the gym. Even though there's people there, I'd plug in and be by myself in the gym. And it was funny because I'm like, I was probably like 160 pounds then, like five foot 11 uh, and 160 pounds. And I went to a bodybuilder gym. (laughs) I did not give a shit. Uh, (laughs) And one time, I, I will always remember this. I was working out on... I was working out, there's this tricep machine, it's like dips, yeah. but instead of you actually doing dips, you you push weights up, yeah. um, and so you can do a lot more weight that way. And I was doing this with like this black boxer who was there, and he was beefy, beefy boxer, like kind of stout and super, yeah. super beefy, yeah. you know? And like, and triceps have always been my muscle. Yeah. They, they've always been like, you know, we all got that like one thing we're really good at that it comes easy. <laughs> For me, it's triceps. And I remember, like, I was doing a lot of weight on the triceps, and I, like, we didn't talk, but he, because we were, we were switching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would do it, and then he would do it. And he, he looked, looked at me, and gave me the nod, like, respect. (laughs) And I would take that to my grave. It was amazing. Anyway, so working out could be a restorative niche. Also, surfing, for me, was a massive restorative niche. Mm. Um... It was it was huge uh, for me. Yeah, I, I a couple more that came to mind is cooking because I get into my element and then no one like now that cooking is not my primary mode of earning income and I'm not doing it all day. Like cooking is one of the things I love to do. E- honestly, even when I was cooking for a living, I used to love to cook for myself. That was that, that's one of the things I love to do, especially if there is a TV in the room, which I haven't had in like five years. But if I'm alone in a house and I've had that happen like once, maybe when we were your parents where no one was around and I was in the kitchen and the living room's right there and there's a big TV. I put on some sex in the city and I started just cooking up a storm. And then someone came back well, like 30 minutes after. And I was like, that was good. That was good. That, that feels really restorative for me. Or like tuning into a book or a podcast, whatever gets me into that flow where my body is free to do what it needs to, but then my mind is also occupied. I used to work out a lot. Um, I was I was running a lot and I used to, there was a time in my uh, life in Paris where I would, I would work both shifts of the day, so like lunch and dinner. And so I would have the afternoon off. Basically, I would quit work at three and come back at 6.30 and it was a really, I had a merry-go-round, like really tightly packed, which is I would leave work, take the bus, go back. Well, actually take the bus, go to the gym, work out at the gym for like 40 minutes or so, which always felt really nice. It, it was a small gym. There wasn't a lot of people there. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was right next to my house. And then I would walk back home, take a shower, or maybe maybe I would take a shower after. But anyways, I would go back home, take a nap. And then go back to work. And that was really nice. I think it was tiring in some ways, but it was also just nice because then even though I spent most of my day at work, it still felt like I used up that time really well. And so, yeah, one of the other things I wanted to say is it can be thought that restorative niche is something you do after you've expanded yourself, but sometimes it's something you do before. Yeah, yeah. To like kind of charge up the battery. I have a good example of that mm. actually is um, whenever I have to do public speaking, or uh, which is not often these days, but um, 
used to be a little bit more often or or if I had like a really a presentation or, or whatever taking the time right before it to myself mm-hmm. like not working or whatever taking like maybe it's half an hour or an hour where I, maybe I'd read or I'd just be by myself or meditate or whatever I want to do yeah like that would be a restorative niche that would then allow me to do that to do that very well yeah and I'd also do that with social situations if I was going to go do some networking for a short period of time or something I would usually really take good care the hour before yeah to give myself what I wanted or needed yeah uh, to, and to then go do that yeah because you got to be smart and think about the number of hours you have in the day and if like for instance your main social your main thing happens at 5 p.m and you know that it's going to go on until 10 and you're going to go get back and sleep how can you carve out that time before so that you still get that self-care in the day and and I think one of the ways that I think is more compelling to think about is like, yeah, it's a restorative niche, but it's also like boosting your ability to be productive and be efficient. In what yeah. You do. And, and I think it also just boosts the quality of your, your day, yeah, right? Exactly. Like it's, it's more pleasant when you live from that way. Everything seems a little bit better, a little yeah. bit easier. Right. And then you're not dipping into that, that bank, mm-hmm. that energy bank that, you know, one day could go bankrupt. And, yeah. and I think, you know, Restorative niches could be all sizes and shapes, right? Yeah. Like in all flavors too. Like it could be something that's like 30 seconds where you do like some box breathing yeah. or something, right? Or or it could be something that's several hours. I mean, I think it's, they're always, it always depends on whatever, whatever the situation is or what you're doing it for, which again goes back to being somewhat self-aware of what you need, right? So this is like a question that, that kind of forces us to ask, what do we need? Yeah. It's about getting to know yourself Mm -hmm. and befriending yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as a restorative niche, it might need to be more mentally focused. Like you need to restore your your mental energy. It might be more like stimulation focused. You just need to shut off stimulation. It might be more social focused. Like you need to go have some, you need to go be social because you've been cooped up, like working on the numbers for your company for like 10 hours. I think my brother does that really well, actually, because he knows he's an extrovert and he knows this is how he recharges. And so... um, He's aware that a lot of his work requires him to, you know, be focused and and, and somewhat introverted, although he's working for he's like doing some sales stuff. So he's also within the context of work, he's he's very social, but it's not the same. And so he's very careful to give himself the time to be with friends as a way to recharge. And, And I think that's that's super wise. And I remember, like, you, it could be physical, and it could mean that you need to rest, or it could mean that you need to be more active, mm-hmm. right? Like, so it's a really open-ended question, and it's always going to depend on us and the environment and what we're trying to do. But I think this is one of the tools we can have in our toolkit to kind of stretch or step out of, like, maybe some of our some of these our general tendencies with our personality and and kind of expand or uh, operate in ways that maybe aren't as natural to us. It's a way to grow. Mm. Maybe it's a way to sum up this this conversation. We've we've talked about the difference in preference, extroversion, extra introversion. And 
also the fact that we all have both sides. As I said, I feel like that's particularly true for me. And I think that's, that's true for a lot of people. It's true for everyone. It's true for everyone, but it might be the degree. Like sometimes I feel like I'm on a 48, 52%, you know, yeah. like the, the, it's. It, Some of us is going to be hard. It's going to be a lot harder to tell which one's dominant. They're going to vie for a lot more attention. Yeah. Some of us are going to be a lot more skewed one way or the other. And there's also, um, now that we're saying this, there's also like life stages, right? Because yes. like, I've spent a lot of time before I left my previous life being very social and not aware of any of this. But then I left and started traveling and then progressively my got my life got more and more introverted. So I've been in a very introverted part of my life for the last few years. And now I'm feeling like, okay, I'm ready to bring in some extroversion, but in a way that I can... And now that I'm aware, it's different because it's not going to swallow me whole. But also, you know, there's a collective aspect of this of what environments do we inhabit and what do those environments require, right? If we're at a very extroverted society, we're going to show up there and be extroverted. That might not be our preference, but we are in an extroverted environment a lot of the time. And so we, we actually have to act out of that. Yes. So there's some there's sometimes a layer we have to tease apart between what is the collective or the environment asking of me? Yeah. Our, what is my persona yeah. in this situation and what is you know my true like what is more true to my nature um and sometimes it can be challenging to tease those apart mm-hmm. yeah and, and so i think maybe a, a a question to leave you with which is the question of this podcast is what is your restorative niche at this very moment right now in this stage of your life in this day and this portion of your day because it's going to change but getting to explore with different things you will, there's a distinct feeling tone when you're doing something that is restorative. It, it's while you're doing it and afterwards. And so just paying attention to that is, and I think it's the way to find how to care for yourself and move forward and be more efficient with your life and bring more quality to the work that you do in your life. Well, thank you for listening, beautiful person. Thank you for listening to two introverts talking about restorative niches. (laughs) I can't think of anything more interesting than that. Yeah, uh, bonus bonus, uh, content for you guys. Uh, It's very hot and I'm wearing a dress and in the middle of the conversation, I started like, like, you know, fanning myself, just moving the dress and it turns out I was flashing my boobs at Alistair and he was like, Oh, can you stop? I was in the middle. Really? I was in the middle of like trying to prove a this point. Really? We're just getting hit by like two massive high beams. <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and he's I, not wearing a shirt. So I, just, I always feel like there's a there's a double standard. Look, here. I'm just saying I could not keep my train of thought, I and we were trying to record <laughs> podcast. So that so. was your for, for your bonus content. No. If you want to support this podcast and the two introverts who do it. You can do so in a few ways. The first one is you can also become a patron. We have a few different tiers. You don't have to be as awesome as Mike. Uh, <laughs> you, you'll still be awesome. You can do it at patreon.com slash thefaroutcouple. That's the place to become a patron. You can also share this episode with a friend. If you have a friend who's introverted but doesn't know a whole lot about this, or if you have a friend who always plays with the dog at a party, that's a, that's a sure sign that they might be introverted. So send them this podcast. They might appreciate it. And the last thing you can do for us is you can uh, leave us a review and we will read it on the podcast when we see it. 
Yeah, I know we say these things every week, but they really make a difference. Yeah. Because this is a this is a two person project, well, three person project. Uh, when you count Arosh, our editor. Hey, Arosh. Arosh, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's a big commitment, um, and it takes a lot of resources and and any energy that you can share in that in that way to help keeping to help this keep going makes a very big difference. So thank you for all your support. We love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for just listening. You know, if you don't do anything else, just listening is, oh, yeah. is already oh, just yeah. amazing. We'll see you next week. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.